0: And we're back. Welcome to No Direction, the Pathfinder News, Reviews, and Interviews podcast. I'm Vanessa Hoskins.
1: And I'm Luis Loza.
0: And you might notice a, a dreadful absence of Param. He was unable to make it this week, uh, so you're left with our two charming personalities. Yes. <laughs> and speaking of our charming personalities, um, we have been mainstay hosts uh, on this show for a, a couple months now, mm-hmm. and we haven't really gotten a chance to like properly... I mean, we introduce ourselves and like, here's yes. our name. <laughs> and I think each of us has somewhat of a reputation. Yours is better than mine, obviously. Um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm known as a bit of a rogue uh, in in really every sense of the word. Um, but I think a lot of people haven't really gotten a chance to, to find out like who we are.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it was kind of even unclear for some people that hello hi we're two of the new hosts of no direction (laughs) like
0: like like for semi-permanent like for the for the hall i'm not going here
1: Mm -mm. (laughs) i i mean i guess if ryan wants to come back and fight us for the spot
0: i mean we did let him on the other week like two weeks two weeks Mm -hmm. ago at the last regular numbered episode Mm -hmm. um and so i guess that was okay but that was like a special one-off because it was a last minute emergency, you couldn't make it, Pam. (laughs) (laughs) Good.
1: We signed his permission slip. Come on.
0: That's right. He was a guest host.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, speaking of getting to know us, uh, if you are in our live Twitch chat, feel free to ask us questions. Um, We're just going to kind of interview each other. Uh, And one of the reasons I called this host lore is because, well, in the Pathfinder role-playing game, lore can be about anything. And today, it's about the hosts. Uh, so, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, uh, so, hey, who are you anyway?
1: <laughs> Hi, I'm Luis Loza. I'm one of the co-hosts of the No Direction Podcast. What? What? There you go. No, I'm, I'm a guy who's been involved with Paizo for a while. I was a developer for the last three, four, point, four years in a month and now two two months of uh, being a, a a senior developer. I'm senior developer at Paizo. I work on the Pathfinder side of things and I specifically work on the Lost Omens book line along with uh, Eleanor Farron and get to help steer the ship for the Pathfinder campaign setting, Lost Omens setting.
0: Okay, but who are you like outside of gaming? Like when you're not when you're not an industry person?
1: Mm. Well, I'm a guy who plays a lot of Pathfinder.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: It's yeah. the reason I it got can't the job. It's because I got. I'm so into Pathfinder, right? No, but I'm. I mean, I'm more than that, right? I'm a. I'm a gamer, and I'm a husband, and Aww. um, a pet owner. Just a, a, a kind of pet? Person. I have a cat, and her name is Nova. <gasps> Nova and, the cat. That's like. And I will Aww. show her off, but she doesn't like not yeah. having her own independence. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's like, are weird might, like that. Yeah. Sometimes she'll come by when I'm working, but that's a very grand luxury that I get oh visited God. by Nova, of her own accord. I also um, have a yeah.
0: cat, uh, Bella, who is literally asleep right here. Um, but she is like conked out, and if I picked her up right now, she'd be like, "Why did you wake me up?" Like she's very content, it's just yeah. it, which is good.
1: <laughs> so I've I've been uh, a gamer of some kind since I was like three. I think Ow. I think that's as far back as I can remember having consciousness, <laughs> you know, my earliest memories. I, I, I think I remember like the very first time, the earliest memory of me touching a video game was playing Super Mario Brothers on the NES.
0: Yes, me too.
1: And uh, playing a lot of arcade games. I grew up in Los Angeles and arcade machines are still a thing in the early 90s. Uh, mm-hmm. My mom used to work at a pizza place and she would bring me to work with her sometimes, just leave me there in the mm-hmm. front. And then, wouldn't you know it? They had Street Fighter, in, uh, a Street Fighter cabinet, Street Fighter 2 cabinet in the front. Super
0: Street Fighter 2 Turbo?
1: No, just regular Street Fighter 2.
0: A regular Street Fighter 2 before they yeah. did Super Street Fighter before 2 Before they added Turbo, Turbo and... and any
1: of that. Yeah, so I would play that. And sometimes the guys would come by that own the machines and collect the quarters and be very nice and hand me a quarter so I could go play a game. <laughs> and I have just awesome. been playing video games and, and whatnot since forever. I got a super Nintendo when I was five. It's probably awesome. my dad's biggest mistake ever is getting oh, no. me up for my birthday. <laughs> uh, and I've had a love for gaming and I've had a love for stories. I was really, really big reader when I was a kid, which I feel like, a lot of people were when they were kids and are less mm. so a lot of yeah. them when they became adults. But, um, my I first. Think...
0: oh, I was yeah. going to say, I think as a kid, you have more time to just sit and read though. You do, Like, I mean, homework notwithstanding, but you have more time to be like, what am I going to do? I guess I'll read. And these days there's more, you know, there's the internet and readily access to other people and social media mm-hmm. and stuff. So sure. But yeah, I remember just, being like, I don't know, I'm gonna to walk to the library and get another book. Like, it wasn't a big deal.
1: So I read a lot and eventually found tabletop RPGs, and it was a nice mix of gaming and stories. And I just loved it and then fell hard for them. And once you know it, eventually my constant playing of Pathfinder finally paid off, <laughs> where I got to start writing for it and like pay <laughs> back my subscriptions.
0: Oh, wow. That's like cool.
1: kind of like a net even on like my subscriptions. And then right. eventually the skill built up enough that I could be a developer. Here I am. That's awesome. That's How about cool. you? Tell me about you.
0: Um, Sure. So um, I am Irish, Polish, uh, mostly hmm. European mutt. Uh, I'm a trans woman. I am married to my lovely wife and we have an adorable cat who just woke up. Oh, I'm just going to grab her. <laughs> Here she is. She's very oh, angry. Oh, look at her! All right, best way to show off a cat is dangling from their front shoulders. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like other than gaming stuff, I like video games. Um, I mm-hmm. like making stuff. I remember growing up, uh, my mom was very crafty. Like I get it from her, and she would always be like making us Halloween costumes, uh, making decorations for the house. Like we wouldn't go to you know Target and get whatever the twenty twenty two releases. We would literally just be like well we have this construction paper and these like random stuff around the house and sometimes it was cool stuff it was like you know pine cones or wicker baskets or whatever and then we would just make the decorations because we didn't have a bunch of money um so that was that was what we did and um it was, it was pretty cool and so i have a little bit of that craftiness i like mm-hmm. to i like to build stuff um i built this really cool set of foam terrain that took weekends and hours and forever and it was a huge project. And then I had more huge projects because that's the way my brain works. I do one thing that's like, oh, this was big and cool. And then I have to go 10 times the size next time. Like I have to just make it giant, make it epic. Um, and I think I, I bit off more than I could chew with that. Uh, and then we moved. and I don't have a garage. So I, I can't, wow. you can't foam cut indoors. It The smell will give you migraines and eventually literally sure. murder you. So you need to be in a well ventilated area. Remember that if you're if you're cutting the foam, um, if you're cutting it with a saw, you'll create little um, little dust bits that you don't want to breathe in. And if you're hot wire cutting it, which is the way I like to do it, um, then it'll release fumes. So either way, wear a protective mask and well ventilated area. Um, and yeah, I just like I don't know, I like I like building stuff, and
1: things. How'd you? What was your first foray into tabletop RPGs? Like, you get oh started? my goodness!
0: Um, I got started when I was—I, my memory is terrible—a small child, sure. five, seven—I don't know—I was short, um, and my uncle uh, decided, "Hey, I'm going to take this kid, and we're going to go play uh, some some games." You know, I was a weird nerdy kid, and he was kind of a weird nerdy uncle, so he was very unclely. Uh, And Mm -hmm. just was like, hey, we're going to go hang out for the weekend and do nerdy stuff. And I was like, yes, that's good. My family doesn't understand me. (laughs) And so I was like, well, I have this this game that I love that's really fun. Can I bring it? He said, sure. So I had a Super Nintendo, which had Street Fighter 2 on it, by the way. That's where I played it mostly as Super Nintendo. Yeah. But it also had Final Fantasy 2, which, of course, now we know that it's really 4. And I was just obsessed with that game. And I brought it over to my uncle's house. I wanted to show him and he was like, oh, this is really cool. And he showed me Role Master, um Iron Crown Enterprises Rollmaster for the first time. And basically, I was just pouring through Rollmaster books, trying to figure out how to make a character and how the world worked and how all the rules work. I was just it just blew me away that there was a game with all these books and rules and you just mm-hmm. like talk to each other about it. Um, so while I was pouring through those and building a character, he was playing Final Fantasy, uh, well two slash four, however you want to look yeah. at it. I'm gonna call it Final Fantasy four. It's it's the one where you go to the moon. It's cool. Yes. <laughs> um. So he was playing that just nonstop and could not get enough. And we ended up playing uh, Rollmaster with his friends. And I remember I had this like uh, Role Master, If you don't know, is based on um the Lord of the Rings uh, stuff. So if you remember the guy who turns into a bear uh, from The Hobbit. It was okay. one of those guys yeah. and it was just like a super big guy with like giant swords. I mean, he would be great on a heavy metal album cover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he got killed instantly, because that's how <laughs> <role> master works. <laughs> do
1: you remember what killed him?
0: Uh yeah, Bjorn, thank you. Uh Zathos of Rosaria. Uh yeah, he got shot with an arrow. That was oh. it. It was like That'll do it. Yeah. And I was like, archery is hoss. Now, I mean, I was used to Final Fantasy where you're just like, you attack you, you attack you. And like, mm-hmm. you're not in any real danger unless you do something dumb or unless it's a boss. So I was like, oh, look, there's bandits. Okay, cool. Let's just go fight the bandits. And so I'm like, I pull out my giant swords and start running at them. And one of the bandits is like, um, throink and i just remember rolled super well and in that system like you can get crit and they are brutal it's like mm-hmm. shot through the eye blood and gore instantly dead or something it was it was bad uh and i was devastated but i kind of bounced right back and was like you know what you, you, like they were playing and playing all night so i'm like i'm just gonna make another character i just read all this stuff i know how to do it so i quickly made a character and at, by the time they finished that battle which took like an hour or two um, I had my new character and he was Gil the Gil Man. Um, He was like a, an aquatic elf, uh, but no <laughs> one knew he was aquatic elf. He's a regular elf. Uh, but he had like secret gills. Um, and his name was Gil. He's an, he's an elf. And he's got a bow. And I'm like, he's got like a breastplate armor and a bow. And he's just going to stay in the back and shoot things and not instantly get killed. So, okay, fine. So we're going up and then there was some big beastie. It was like a some sort of bull-like creature. I can't remember exactly. I remember it was hairy and gross. Mm-hmm. and i'm like shooting at him and i got a couple good shots in and then the thing pushes me and knocks me off a cliff into a river and everyone's like oh my gosh she just died again <laughs> and i'm like dang it <laughs> um but because i could breathe underwater i'm like gill is still alive but they don't know that that'll be great because we were like finishing the session anyway and they're like mm. okay well we'll play another time i never played again with those guys which sucked because like that was a lot of fun yeah and my uncle ended up borrowing my Super Nintendo for like a week or two, just so he could finish playing <laughs> Final Fantasy four. And uh, I finally like got it back and it was like, Oh, thank goodness. I don't know what I'm gonna do without that. Um, but that's, that's my introdu- introduction mm-hmm. to gaming. And then I didn't play. I had my, my mom fell in with the whole like D D is evil thing. Yeah. So I remember um, later I was in eighth grade and I found that there were gamers in my class and I couldn't play with them because I'm not allowed but uh, I did get secret dice. Like I paid the guy to give me a really cool dice set, and he's like, "I got a bunch of different colors." So he gives me this thing, and I was like, "So I, I I kept these dice. I couldn't play with anyone. I just had a set, a full set of dice with a D twenty and everything. And I still have the D twenty. In fact, it's probably in this bag. Um, but I still have it to this day and use it all the time. It's really cool.
1: <laughs> I, I, I can some... just imagine like you. Just rolling the dice for the sake of like, ah, look, I have the dice, but also i got to hide them and i got to be quiet when I do it.
0: (laughs) I would like, yeah, I would just take them out. I had this really cool giant bedroom and I was Mm -hmm. very, uh, everyone thought I was an introvert. Um, Just kidding. I wasn't, I just didn't have any friends, Uh, but Mm -hmm. I would hang out in my bedroom and just play with Lego and build stuff and spaceships and all sorts of things and play video Mm -hmm. games. And so, I don't know, I was just in my room hanging out and I'd, I'd pull out the dice and roll them and look at them and just think they were cool. Um and didn't really get a chance to use them until college, really.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, we do have some questions from chat that we should mm-hmm. probably go through. Uh Katsini Warlock asks, what's your favorite thing the other person has written?
1: Oh boy. Uh this is gonna be <laughs> rough. I'm trying to remember. I yeah, feel I like know. um did you do you know you did <laughs> stuff for Absalom. Yes. I, I really did liked. the
0: wise quarter and the docs.
1: Yeah. So like I appreciated how much much firebrand stuff you were putting into the docs.
0: Yes. Oh, I remember Uh, when when I was writing that you had told us about it. Like it was like secret information that, Hey, this isn't out there yet. So like include it in your stuff because this will be out soon. And so will this book. And that was like two years before the book came out. Um, But I remember (laughs) like, yes, I'm going to put all this firebrands thing in there, including like, Rival fire brands in the docks area that are mm-hmm. like. Oh, mad at um, favorite thing of yours, you. I think my f- favorite thing. You have some things that I'm sure are great that I'm not allowed to look at, like your uh Fist of the Ruby Phoenix book. You're not allowed to look at it. Uh, no, because I want to play it. Mm. I don't. I don't want to screw myself up. But the, really, it's just the whole everything you do with the Lost Omens line. I know that's developing and not writing, but like. Sure. I
1: write for it sometimes. so
0: Okay. Well then it counts. Um, it's just yeah, it so, counts. it's so good. It's just you and Eleanor put together such a, a great product line and are such Thank a you. fantastic team. It's, it's unbelievable. Every time a new book comes out, it's like, look at all the cool stuff that's in here. I mean, you know, hats off to all the writers who also write all the stuff, but that's my, that's my favorite is that whole line is my favorite. <laughs> um, a couple other questions. Uh, no, 18 asks, how many previous lives are you in touch with and do they help you write those fabulous lore and adventure submissions um
1: that's, that's the question none that i'm aware of but it definitely does sometimes feel like that when an idea pops into my head right uh-huh. you ever have that where you're like yeah. doing something completely unrelated and just suddenly an almost full formed idea is ready to go right um, and i don't know what it is just like Maybe it was just ready to sit in your head and like something knocks it about, or it was a past life. I had, um, when I was doing a lot of third party stuff in first edition days, I wrote a lot for Mike Myler, who's Mm -hmm. currently running the end world, um, 5e stuff, um, at least last I checked. Uh, and he would. Insists that i would travel back in time and steal his ideas oh my god i would submit my stuff and then he'd start reading it and he's like oh my gosh this is the thing i wanted and i didn't didn't even tell you oh that's funny <laughs> so i don't know, maybe i maybe i do have a connection to, to previous lives that, that i'm kind of just borrowing from
0: it's possible um i don't know about previous lives but i i know that definitely i was writing a thing that i can't talk about um recently and it felt very much like rather than me inventing all this stuff Mm -hmm. uh the universe was just telling me it was like hey and this is what happened and it's a lot of like from whole cloth type of stuff that Mm -hmm. wasn't like i'm following the outline and then i just thought of it um it was a very um the assignment i have is a very blank slate that's just like make this and
1: you're like just channeling sure all the information through you You were a vessel through which it all came through.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. And and it's funny because looking at it, I can definitely see like, oh, that's definitely Final Fantasy influence. Oh, that's definitely Greek mythology influence. Oh, that's mm-hmm. definitely from here. Um, but at the same time, weaving all these things together just seemed to happen so naturally writing it that I was like, okay, cool. Like, I don't know where that came from. And I feel the same way um, writing like Vellum and Lace. Um, yes, we have a plan for what happens to the characters, but there has already been moments and scenes where the scene just goes a different direction. And then I'm like, how this, this doesn't match with what we planned. How do I reconcile that with later? And then we either have to tweak what we had planned or do something else. But there's definitely moments like that where I feel like the characters and the book and the contents writing itself. And I'm just, I'm just typing the words out Couple other questions. Uh, What was your first, oh, this is from uh, XX the faceless man. Um, so your first session was also your first character death. Oh, that was to me. Yes, that's right. It sure was.
1: <laughs> um,
0: your first session was first two character deaths basically. Well, one and then one fell in a river. Uh, Number eighteen asks, "Will you both be a PaizoCon this year?"
1: Uh, I plan to be. I think I will be. I mean, I, there was a, <laughs> a thing that went around where where there was kind of an internal survey. Hey, do you want to be a PaizoCon? Are you willing to be a PaizoCon in person? And oh, that's and I really said cool. Yes. Um, you know, and some people weren't feeling comfortable for that. And I, I understand that, but I'm willing to go. So if all goes well, I can go and, you know, of course, trying to be careful while doing so, but sure, that will be nice just to get to see some people again.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm planning on going, uh, without getting into details, my travel plans are tentative and could fall through at the last minute. Um, but I I'm determined to find a way to get there and be there. So, um, but yeah, I have plans. I plan on being there. I am being optimistic that everything's going to work itself out. Uh, so I'm making plans in that regard. Um,
1: it it shouldn't be too hard to get just from the East coast all the way across to the other side of the country. Right.
0: Yeah. It's literally the other, I'll just drive.
1: Um, (laughs) big deal. I
0: mean i'll find out like 72 hours before my flight if i'm gonna be in trouble so Ooh. i don't want to get into it uh but yeah i definitely plan on being there and mostly yeah i want to see everyone like i like talking to you here i like chatting with you on our fabulous no direction discord server
1: it's not but the same
0: though it's not the same i want to i want to sit across <laughs> from you and like have a meal and chat about things and give you a hug and just yeah it's way better um i'm such an extrovert too that having all my friends on the internet has been really challenging for me uh and i think it will be very um i'm gonna get i'm gonna get very california for a second i'm from california um i think it's gonna be really healing to be around old friends (laughs) in person
1: no i get that i mean I, i i the few kind of gatherings we've had over the past two years have been just i don't know there's something to getting to see people again and fall into old routines if only for a few hours right
0: yeah um there is a follow-up question from number 18 will no direction have an official presence will there be a meetup uh we haven't announced anything yet
1: i'm not entirely sure
0: yeah i think we're still trying to figure that out um i would like to have some sort of impromptu live show or something um but i think we're still trying to figure out what all the details are going to be and like who from no direction network is going to be there because if it's just lisa and i luis is probably gonna be busy working piezo because mm-hmm. that's that's work um it'll probably just be me that would be available to do no direction unless i could like grab luis really quick and be like hi say a few words okay great go get lunch so <laughs> we'll have to see maybe hopefully is that something you would like to see let us know uh, as we, always we, we threatened... will find i'm sorry to say as always we will find a way to record every single seminar and get it to mm-hmm. you our podcast fans
1: uh, So. Uh, Randall of the network yeah. um, moved to Washington. Mm-hmm. Did you know it? I think February 2020, uh, just in time. <laughs> but we just knew that Randall was, good, go. was, was moving to Washington, and we kept threatening oh, once Randall's here, we'll have more people. And then he, he has a house. We can have all the No Direction people show up for that ESPizoCon and then all go to Randall's for RandallCon afterward. Uh, and, you know, just a little personal KD gathering, and mm-hmm. it's never happened. And maybe we can make Randall Khan happen if we have enough people, or it might just be us three. <laughs> you know,
0: it could be, and then we'll well, oh, we can too. get
1: Dustin. Yeah, Dustin's around yeah. here too.
0: So we'll have we'll have at least a little. I could probably get Dustin and to do
1: a show. With Ron him. and um, which
0: Ron who will be working?
1: Yes, but I mean, we could have a, a outside of Paisa gathering. gathering, okay. and we could also have John um i think yeah you know there's a fair amount of people and that's
0: right all of the intrepid heroes folks are in seattle area because they used to play in person
1: so and avi who's on valiant so that's a decent number of people around um who knows
0: there will be some sort of presence and as i said we will definitely find a way one way or another to record all the seminars so yeah all right let's see what else we got um oh my gosh Zathos of Viseria ask how's Elden Ring going hold on I need to ban Zathos of Viseria <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know I accidentally bought that game on purpose so you bought um, it not
1: knowing fully what to, you were getting into it sounds like
0: I didn't um
1: and that's okay
0: I hadn't I had been in a place where I hadn't been paying attention to sort of the news cycle on video games, and all of a sudden, all of my friends, like on release day, basically, were talking about, "Oh, Elden Ring, so good! I just got Elden Ring. It's a, it's beautiful. It's so awesome. It's great." I'm like, "What the hell is Elden Ring?" And they're like, "It's like this open world RPG. It's really cool." And I'm like, "Um, is there magic?" And they're like, "Yeah, there's magic." And I'm like, "Okay," because I don't do great in open world RPGs with a sword. Like I had trouble with Breath of the Wild, right? Because mm-hmm. most of it is hit things with a sword and I'm like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not great at that. I, I did okay. Um, so usually in those games like Skyrim or whatever, I play a magic user or an archer or something so I can stand way back away from the enemies and kill them before they ever get close. Uh, and so I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll play this game. I don't know anything about it. So I looked it up and I saw two trailers that were literally all cinematics. Um, I finally found a, like a dev video that had the de- 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 one of the developers playing the game and it was like three hours long. So I would like skip into little sections and like watch him fight a dragon masterfully, like getting hit once. And it wasn't a big deal. And I'm like, okay, cool. And he's like riding around on dragon, you know, or or horseback and he kills this dragon. "Ah, That's really cool. And some other stuff happened. I remember getting to um, a couple other sections. Oh, I remember I, I I looked it up because I didn't see anything about magic. And someone's like, you can play a magic user through the whole game. It's totally a viable build. And I'm like, great. Uh, This sounds cool. And everyone's having fun. I'm going to buy it. So I bought it. I downloaded it and I died three times in the intro area in the area that teaches you how to play the game. I died three times and I just kept dying over and over. And I got so frustrated and someone's like, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's a soul's game. And I'm like, I don't know what that, what do you mean? It's a soul's game. You know, like dark souls. I'm like, Oh God, no, I've never played that. I hate it. Everyone said it was hard. I would never, I would never even touch that game. It's like, I didn't even recognize it as a soul's game. It's like, well, you had to have known. I'm like, how, it's not called Elden Ring Souls, Dark Souls mm-hmm. 4, The Elden Ring. Like, I don't know. It's, uh. and they're like, didn't the gameplay give it away? I'm like, well, it was hard AF, but they're like, no, no, like the spawn points and all this stuff. I'm like, I literally haven't played a Souls game past Dark Souls 2 that I downloaded because I got it on a really good Steam sale and I literally couldn't get past the first area. I couldn't figure out how to not get killed by Shadow Dogs and I played it for an hour and a half and that was it. And I'm like, well, that was five bucks well spent. So yeah, no, I don't know the respawn um, It is not going well. I have uninstalled it, and I do not plan on ever playing it again. Yeah. That's no, how it's going.
1: There, like, I'm sure if you really wanted to, I'd be happy to talk to you about, like, oh, well, you can do this. But you don't have to do that. You don't have to be like, oh, I got to try to make my money's worth and make this game work. If you didn't like it, you didn't like it, and that's it. That's I mean, totally fine.
0: I did do that because it's a brand new AAA title and I paid mm-hmm. full price. Um, so I did bang my head out into it for like two days straight and yeah. it wasn't great. And then because everything's yeah. Elden Ring and like and lots of video game stuff goes in my algorithm. I saw, um, I saw an, an article, a blog article that said the secret hidden or the secret hidden hard mode. And I was like, you know, a Elden ring uh, that you could that you can accidentally trigger. And I was like, what is it even talking about? Long story short, uh, you can summon all these like spirit creatures, but apparently if you don't like go back and do this one thing where you talk to this one person and unlock the ability to do that, you just never get it. And without it, the whole game is super hard because a bunch of fights assume that you have this ability and can use it. Yeah, I didn't have that. Which explains my confusion when walkthroughs on the boss I'm fighting, either were LOL, this is super easy, it's the easiest boss in the game, great i've died a hundred times to him or uh it was just use the spirit summons and then it's super easy and i'm like i don't know how what i don't know what that is because i was playing on super Hard the best
1: oh well um so. uh, I'm, I'm having a great time with it and that's that's good you know, that that doesn't at all invalidate how you feel about the game <laughs> but i also have a lot of experience with the series and those types of games so
0: i think there's a place for them i don't I don't hate that the game exists. I hate that it yeah. wasn't clear to me as a layperson that that's what kind of game it was until it was already too late. Yeah. And I had spent my money and it was like, because really at first does. when I had learned how hard it was, we had played it for 20 minutes. As I said, like I died in the intro three times and I was mm-hmm. like, well, I kind of want to return it. And we looked up uh, PlayStation's return policy and they're like, yeah, once you run the game once you can't return it. If you've downloaded it, but haven't actually turned it on, you can still return it. But once you've started it up and seen the logo screens, that's it. You're done.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, another question. Dragon Elvish asks, do you write with a disconnected internet connection? What's like not get distracted from the world? What is your writing process?
1: Uh, terrible. I don't have a process.
0: (laughs) You don't have a process?
1: I don't really have a process. I just kind of start doing it, doing what I need. Sometimes I outline things. Sometimes I don't, um, it's bad and it gets me in trouble sometimes, but, uh, I don't do so without an internet connection because usually at the very least I needed to like, look up rules, right? Like hop on the archive and methods or look up how to spell a word, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. things like that.
0: Um, I don't disconnect my internet either, but I definitely have a process. Um, what I, I will generally like outline everything or I get my outline from my developer and then you do the expanded outline. Well, for me, the expanded outline is literally doing all of the mathy things you have to do and all of it, half of the mathy things. So I do all the encounter math, right? Mm-hmm. I figure out what the flow of the encounter should look like. Um, I always start with like uh, second edition wise. I always start with like a low encounter if I can, cause I, I want the players to get a chance to warm up. Um, yep. especially like you know the first book of an uh, adventure path or something like you or the first you know fight in a new book on the adventure path you want them to be like okay new authors writing this new experience let's start on them out easy so they can kind of ease into it it also also makes you feel good to walk into a a new location and be like Oh, it was an easy fight okay we're gonna do great and then you give them you know severe right next uh but i i definitely outline everything and then usually my outline isn't just like you know, high school outline with like indentations. My outline is actually going in and sometimes I'll do that. Uh, It's actually going in and doing all of the headers and all of the everything and Mm -hmm. drawing the maps first because I'm figuring out the encounters and where they need to go. Uh, I do pretty well drawing a map and saying this verisimilitude wise, this looks good. And then this is what all these rooms are. And then asking myself what would be in those rooms and sort of working that way. Um, and so I've already got a map to to work off of with the with location numbers and such. And then I'll just, I literally do all the formatting in the entire document and every room, every section gets like one little line of, of box text. that's like, this is the box text <laughs> and little stuff in there. That's like, this is when the players find the note and this is when the players get a magic item. And this is where the players get ambushed by kobolds or whatever's happening. And I just do like little, like one-liners in there. And that way, all of the like technical stuff or most of the technical stuff is just done. I don't have to think about it during writing. And then what happens though, is all that process, I've already sort of decided I'm gonna have them get ambushed by Cobalt. I'm gonna have this happen. And I keep thinking of these ideas and putting them in there so that when it's time to actually write all of the text that the GM's gonna read when they prep this this scenario, this adventure, I've thought a lot about it because I've been working with all the formatting and rearranging where everything is. And usually it's just filling in the blanks. I'm like, oh yeah, the, the cobalt ambush scene, obviously. Yeah, 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 the cobalt ambush. We've all seen it. <laughs> and then I'll just and then I'll just write it all out. Um, and that's that's my process. I I will in terms of getting rid of distractions. I am very big on Google Chrome profiles. So I have mm. my regular like everyday email, social media, all that stuff profile, but then I have like one for just for no direction or something. I'll usually go into a profile that's like the no direction one that I just used to host the show. Um, and I don't have social medias on it. Uh, so I will use that one to open the tools to look up rules and stuff, because then I, I don't see like Twitter blinking at me that there's like five new notifications and I want to see what the notifications are. Instead, I can just focus. Anyway, that was a long answer. Um, let's see. Uh, Ember one, two, one, five asks how, uh, I'm curious how your experiences working with Paizo are similar or different? So I guess the what question you, is, what is your experience?
1: Hmm? Uh, when did you start freelancing for Paizo? Um,
0: the first stuff I wrote was for Pathfinder Society uh uh-huh. season like or or first edition uh sixth season.
1: Okay. can't remember what year that would be. <laughs> season 10 was 2018. So about 2014. So we started around the same time, I think.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right.
1: Um and yeah, from under when... ice
0: was released April 2015.
1: There you go. Uh, when when you first started, I, I assume you were going through Compton, John Compton. Oh my
0: gosh, yes, but
1: yes, yes but. Asterisk. <laughs> no, this is
0: this is a funny story. Um, everyone wants to know how did you get started. Uh, there was an open call because when I was on Paizo.com poking around at every like corner of the website I could find, I found an open call and I was like, yep. that's cool. So I read it and it was like 1,500 words and a little, da, 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 and I'm like, okay. So I wrote the whole thing out uh, over and over, like so many revisions to make sure it was perfect. And I was and like, you okay. didn't,
1: didn't hear from Pisa for like three years.
0: Two years. I sent it off and didn't hear anything <laughs> for two years. And so here's me being like, well, yes, I guess I yes suck. Yeah, no, I'm terrible. I'm a bad writer. I shouldn't have gotten my hopes up. I saw this and I thought this would be so exciting because I really like this game. I'm having a lot of fun playing in society. I I could write for it. That would be cool. And then didn't hear for two years. Out of the blue... Compton messages me and he's like, hey, I really liked your submission, but everything in your submission really feels like season four and it's like early season six. So this is all outdated. Can you just update it to be season six? And I was just like, it's because that's because it was time look at the timestamp at two years old. <laughs> so I was like, okay, fine. So I revised it, sent it to him, and he's like, it's great. And then I didn't hear anything for like six more months. And I'm like, if you liked it, why don't I hear anything? Uh, and then I ended up with uh, From Under Ice, which was six eighteen near the end of that season. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: it all worked out.
1: Um, I, I guess I you? don't know how much else you did outside Society because I know you were doing some rules and stuff here and there, but like
0: I mostly did Society um, all, all the way, like until very close to when Second Edition came out, mm-hmm. and then it started to branch out just a little bit into other into other places. And I really branched out into Starfinder first. And then, especially with second edition, went back over to beyond just society in second edition.
1: Yeah. Uh, So I started by effectively cold calling Wes Schneider. Oh, no. And I was just like, hey, I wrote a thing uh, because I had written an adventure by that point that was published. Here it is. If you ever need a guy. (laughs) Um, Right. And I, I did it like two or three times. And I don't recommend doing that just in general anymore <laughs> you can probably do that with me as a developer if you want to reach out you know i don't have any guarantees but i'm more willing to like at least listen and be like oh okay well if you want to talk to me you know here's my PISO email sending some stuff but uh eventually just randomly out of the blue Wes is like hey i got some work if you want to do some here's a player companion right two pages okay um uh, sure and the player companions were in a weird spot for many years uh, where like Patrick was doing them but then Patrick left and then Owen was doing them but then Owen had to do other stuff and like
0: mm-hmm.
1: it was, so like I feel like you and I had a at least initially a weird experience where like we started and just yeah. like yeah writing things into a void and and then it turns out we did well
0: <laughs> well it's it's funny because it's something that I think I think Paizo was definitely getting better at mm-hmm. overall um, but back in the day, it was very much like you had developers that knew you and the ones that didn't, and you yeah. were stuck with the ones who knew you. And if you wanted to branch onto other product lines, you really had to convince that developer you were writing for, Hey, go poke so-and-so and tell them I'm a good writer. Cause I want to write for their product line too. Yeah. And one of two things would happen. They would, or they wouldn't. And sometimes they wouldn't not cause you were bad and they didn't want to like inflict you on the other person, but because you were good. And they're like, no, 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 you are my <laughs> best, you know, you're my best gazetteer writer ever. You write really cool stuff. I don't want to hand you over to the adventure line because you'll, then you'll all your creativity will go there and you'll be good. But like, I just, you're such a good, no, I'm just kidding. I'm, I might just keep you. And it's like, no, don't do that. Um, so yeah. And sometimes you'd be like, sure, whatever, you know, they're good. That's actually how I got, uh, working with Starfinder, mm-hmm. as I worked with, uh, John Compton and, and Lisa's AS Palmer for forever. And then John went over to the Starfinder team. Um, no, no, I remember. Uh, Thirsty was over in the Starfinder team
1: mm-hmm. and
0: Thirsty and John are good friends and I yeah, think Thirsty yeah. was like hey so and so is looking for writers do you know anybody and like it was like through the pipeline that I got on someone else's radar and was was finally asked to write some uh, back matter in um, oh the, the I'm Dead blinking because it's Starfinder the, the weird creatures that are like hidden anyway the greys and all of them mm. so I gotta write it's... this article about the greys that was Oh my gosh. I wrote that. The entire article is like six pages long. I wrote it in one
1: evening. Sure, I've done that kind of thing.
0: Well, I mean, I had other stuff I was working on and I was kind of behind. I'll just tell you the truth. I was, I was behind and I had to get it done and I knew how I wanted to do it, but I hadn't cleared it. It was, it was Jason Keeley was going to take it, I think. And I hadn't cleared it with him yet. Was I writing that for? It it changed developers like three times because it was so many shifts. But anyway, I remember just being like, "It it's due in like three days and I need to do it and I'm tired and then like, I don't know. So I made myself like coffee, but put Irish cream in it. I was like hopped up on caffeine, a little bit intoxicated and just kind of free flowing. <laughs> and I wrote this rant, which is the way I wanted to do it anyway. Like an in-character rant of someone just being like, the grays are really weird because a lot of the the outline was like say say eight things about the greys, and two of them are true. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, drop these two hints, and those two things are true, and like make up six more things. You're
1: just writing a conspiracy rant on the internet. Yes.
0: So I was like, <laughs> I'm just doing conspiracy rants. So I was just like, I'm just going. <laughs> I'm just feeling it. And I'm just like, just all in one, writing the whole thing. I I did another pass, but it was literally just like grammar and spelling. Because I was like, no, it's great. Any part that comes together weirdly Worked because it was this weird fever rant of just like yeah. oh, I'm just gonna type it out and I just write all this stuff, any weird thing I could think of.
1: I I had not that exact thing, right <laughs> um, but there was definitely okay. a time I had just started at Paizo, and I was working on I forget what it was, and then randomly Ron dean's like, oh hey, do you want to write a back matter monster? I'd had already written one or two at that point, and it was for Return of the Rune Lords. I'm like hmm i think i can do this and then i take it it's just like a you know, two pages but it's a it's a big monster cr like 24 or whatever and mm-hmm. then as soon as i like accepted it and I, and ron went on his way i'm just like oh actually i don't think i have time for this so i get the assignment on like thursday and that weekend i have it done for him <laughs> i'm just like i'm gonna get this done and off my plate immediately so i can get back to the other stuff that's right um, <laughs> And I mean, Monsters came super easy for me in first edition, because by that point I had done, I don't know, three, four years of Monsters Physique. So um, I knew Monsters, so that was quick and easy. Um, Yeah, I I remember having trouble getting to like, I don't want to just do player companions. I'd love to do a campaign setting book or I'd love Mm -hmm. to, um, you know, contribute to a rule book or adventure path or whatever and i tried really hard to get published in each line at least once (laughs) before the end of first edition and unfortunately never made it to rule books because um, (sighs) plainer plainer adventures was already like done by the time i joined the company so there were no more books to write for oh
0: i see darn missed it and those are hard to get into because, mm-hmm. like, everyone shares developers, right? But I think there's a lot of cross-pollination within a lot of the different lines. Um, and then it seems like the design team has, like, their own very small list of developers that they work with. And they've been better about that, expanding the list, getting more people to, to work in on those big rule books. But I think a lot of that also came with Pathfinder 2nd Edition and how all how the books changed, right? Because like, we don't have a lot of splat books anymore. You just yeah. we have... Your lost omens line we have adventures and then we have the big rule books and that's it
1: i can't just snuck in here
0: the cat sneaking? oh you got you gotta show off nova i
1: can't she will not she will start <laughs> yelling and whatnot i'm just gonna let her out okay
0: for a
1: sec.
0: that's fine um oh just being luigi says i love legendary kineticist it inspired me to write my first publication oh i'm so happy actually um, that was a labor of love, um, and I would love to like go back and do a revised edition or some edits or something, but that's fine. It, it was one of those things that when second edition came out, I was like, I know exactly. I, I was actually at PaizoCon, and I thought I know exactly how I want to do the Kineticist. It was second edition, and so I went and I found uh, Jason Nelson of Legendary Games and just said, hey, this is what I want to do. And I pitched it after the banquet, actually. I was late for the... Uh, I was late for the trivia because I was busy pitching to Jason Nelson. And he's like, sure, go ahead and write it. And we put a team together and the team kind of fell apart and all sorts of stuff happened. But it basically took about a year and I finally got it out. Um, But I knew like everything that's in that book, I knew that night while we were talking about it. That's what I wanted to do. All right. um, Let's see what else we have. Uh, Kitsune Warlock wants to know if a hot dog is a sandwich. Uh,
1: I've always run under the assumption or the, the answer that it's a variant taco okay
0: is a taco a sandwich
1: no a taco is a taco it's its own thing
0: (laughs) but you've got okay but you've got like a a bready starchy product around protein
1: i am not about to get into this with
0: you i'd say tacos are also a form of sandwich
1: Mm -hmm. what's the next question (laughs)
0: Okay, Um. Number 18 wants to know, do e- do either of you have a particular music that you listen to while writing or other environmental factors that you favor?
1: Um, it depends. I have this track I look up all the time that I just kind of put on as background filler. Um, okay. Not even to like, oh, hype me up for writing or whatever. It's just like the music I work to kind of anymore, uh, which is a 10-hour loop of the song beneath the mask from persona 5 alongside like the sounds of, of rain you know because yes, people do do, do do white noise for rain and stuff but like the music as well like i think it's just it's not mm-hmm. fast paced or anything but it's also not so slow that like i'm gonna fall asleep while typing um That's good. and it just kind of is my background like menu music while i'm working yeah uh, I... and... go ahead i'm sorry uh, as I was going to say beyond that, like it, it will change depending, like I do have some songs that like are the hype up. I need to get this done uh, song and, or just whatever music I like. I am pretty good about not being distracted by music. I'm familiar with. Hi Nova. There she is. There She is. I thought I kicked you out of here. Um, <laughs> so um, if it's an album I've listened to a lot, you know, music, I know very well, I can listen to it, even if it has words and mm. still be able to work. Oh See, I'm the opposite.
0: opposite. I'm gonna have to... That's okay. Um, I'm the opposite. If if it has words, I will start listening to the words and like singing along. So Louis isn't gonna know this part because he's not on mic right now. For those of you listening later, he got up to kick his cat out of the office. So I have y'all to myself. Um, also uh, a hot dog, totally a sandwich. Taco, also a sandwich, hot pocket sandwich, burrito sandwich. If it's surrounded by a starchy medium and has meat in the middle, sandwich. Anyway, so back to the music question. Hi, Louise. Welcome back. So, uh, music question. I used to listen to. I used to listen to like video game tracks. I had a whole yeah. playlist that was just video game instrumentals on like on random loop. So it would play everything on a random order and then just do it all over again, over and over and over and over. And I would just listen to that because like if there's I wanted music. I wanted something to drown out the sounds of the house, but I also didn't want any vocals in there because then I'll just focus on the on the voices
1: and the words. Video game music is great for that. Uh, there's yes. so many like three hours of slow, chill, melodic music from video games on YouTube yeah. that you can pull up.
0: There is. I've been listening to a lot of lo-fi beats during my day job recently Mm -hmm. uh, just because it's nice and calming um, and tends to keep like work anxiety down because I had this nice calming music as as my um, as my backdrop for working. So that's helped. Um, But these days when I'm writing, I'm usually I'm usually listening to um, there's a perfect rainstorm on ambient mixer and Mm -hmm. It is great. It is like intense rain, but not really wind. There's some thunder, but it's distant. Um, And then there's this really good, like tin roof sounds, little tinkings. And between all of that sound, it's enough white noise. I can't hear anything that's happening in the house. And these are not noise canceling headphones. These are half open, like half back headphones. So they're super comfortable to wear for hours at a time. Um, And I just wear these with that rainstorm going and it blacks everything out, including, you know, like... I don't know if you have this do you have that like little nagging voice at the edge of your consciousness that keeps trying to change the subject in your mind
1: um no I don't think I have that but I, I kind I of do. understand in that like yeah I will definitely meander like it's not even like oh let's talk about this now it's just like no this is just what's happening
0: <laughs> yeah well like Dustin Knight says my tinnitus is talking to me and it's never on topic um it's not quite like that. It's just like I'm I'm writing about I don't know Kobolds or something and all of a sudden my brain will be like, "Did you feed the cat?" and I'll be like, "Yeah, I, I fed the cat. It's fine. Are you sure?" "Yeah. It doesn't matter." Okay, so I'm writing, I'm writing and it's like, "So what do you think like Gogo's deal was in Final Fantasy 6?" And I'm like, "I haven't played that game in forever. I don't They never tell you. He's just a weird mimic guy in the desert who joins you. This is not important. Okay, Kobolds. I'm writing about Kobolds." It's like, so Elden Ring sucked and my brain just won't be quiet. But like with the rainstorm, it's almost like I can't hear it past the storm. Mm -hmm. So I'm already like in the process of actively not listening to the storm and therefore focusing on what I'm doing. And that helps me actively not listen to all like the distracting thoughts that are just zooming through my head. Anyway, that's my process. That was too long of a question or an answer. I'm sorry. Um. Let's see. Uh, any tips for self-publishing? Uh, that was from Dom Hero LS13.
1: Yeah, I saw that uh-huh. Dom's looking to publish game stuff. Um, I mean, You've if you some at le- nice at the very it's- least, if you publish on Infinite, like I think there's definitely some anxiety about getting it all right and you know, making sure you have a good product, but you have the benefit of being able to update your product at any time if someone points out, they're like, oh, there's a typo here, or this seems unbalanced, or whatever, you can just go fix it, and re-upload it, as opposed to Paizo, which is just a, a very big ship you have to turn around, right, it, it takes a while to do errata, and um, reprint everything, so you don't have to worry about that, you, if, if you don't get it all 100% right, when you do, print, uh, do publish it just go fix it. You can do that. That's, that's yeah. one of the luxuries that, that self-publishing offers.
0: Well, and there's a lot of good templates. I know my writing partner on Vellum and Lace, uh, Helen, has some some like uh, affinity templates and things like that that she's putting out there and, and using, I think. Um, so there are definitely templates that you can use, that you can follow for adventures and stuff. Mm. Um, I think the templates they give you are... Fine, they're just not I mean <laughs> they sure will publish your product into a PDF. Uh but I don't know, like they're just very they're very minimalist, right? Mm. Um and if you want something as a little pizzazz, like it's gonna take a little a bit of effort. My trick has been to always partner with someone who knows how to do that.
1: <laughs>
0: so Vellum and Lace doesn't have like very um doesn't have strict publishing uh regimens it's not terribly difficult but like if i did it myself it would be in pdf and that would be it um but I'm, pu- I'm i'm partnered with helen my co-author and she does all of the all the proofs and publishing passes um to get them in the proper formats because she already has all the software to do that she's done that a bunch of times for her own self-published books she's like writing about arthurian legends retold in modern times it's it's wild but she already knows how to do all this stuff. And so she, you know, luckily takes care of that aspect of it. And generally speaking, although I've been really mad about it lately, generally speaking, I'll take care of more of like social media blasts and stuff like that. Mm So, um, but, uh, but yeah, that's another way to go is like if you are worried about that technical aspect of getting it to look right, um, just find someone who dual layout and then, you know, cut them in on a cut of sales.
1: Um, and another thing is just the more you publish, the more you'll learn. Like your first product may not look like your 10th product because mm-hmm. uh, you'll learn so much along the way about what to do or what not to do and, and how to improve it. Hopefully, yeah, you know, you'll be able to, to learn from, from what you're, you're doing.
0: Oh, Dustin Knight uh, in chat gets any Warlock brings up a great, Great uh, uh, list of things that we have on our No Direction website, um, which has a bunch of blog information. So if you're a fan of the show and want to see amazing blogs, including our Infinite Possibilities uh, uh, series on how to self-publish on Infinite, uh, go to nodirectionpodcast.com. Uh, and if you are in the the chat right now, you can you can see a link there. So,
1: so this was supposed to be us learning about each other. Yeah, feel that's like true. we, we kind of, not that there's been a problem answering questions, but it's just hey, been so uh,
0: many questions,
1: uh, I, let's, let's ask, uh, a, a very, uh, a thematically appropriate question for no direction. How'd you okay. learn about Pathfinder? How'd you get into Pathfinder specifically?
0: Oh my goodness. I learned about Pathfinder and honestly gaming conventions on the whole mm-hmm. at the same time. Uh, we had just moved to Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, while my wife was getting her master's degree, and I'm getting confused. That's where my mom lived for a long time. Holy Bloomington? Ca- no, my brain just like popped in the wrong city. Uh, Champagne, Illinois. Sorry. Okay.
1: Yeah. My brain right. is like, I'm just
0: gonna <laughs> tell you the wrong city, and my mouth did it, and I was like, okay, I'm just a mouth. Um. Anyway, we moved to Central Illinois, and uh, I was kind of bored. Like, I don't know. I had all my friends in California. I had lived there for forever. And then we moved into the Midwest and like, I don't know what to do. And I think my wife knew I was bored because I would just sit there and play video games like literally all day. And she's like, why don't you go do something? And I'm like, there's literally nothing to do. So she looked on one of those like, what's happening in Shambana web pages or something? And it was like, there was a gaming convention like two blocks from our house. Just go to that. And I'm like, OK, fine. So I actually walked down there um, and it was like the second day of the convention or something. And there was all this stuff going on and uh, and one of the rooms was very rowdy and had all these people playing Pathfinder. And I'd heard of Pathfinder before from someone like it's like it's like 3.5. And I'm like, whatever, I'm playing fourth edition. I don't care about your stuff. Um, and you know, whatever. But then all these people are having fun. And I was like, well, that's cool. And like, I remember, um, trying to come back and run like a fourth edition game at this convention and literally no one showed up. No one cared. And (laughs) it was at the time where at least in that area of the world, people had given up on fourth edition and Pathfinder was all the rage. So I was like, fine, I'll I'll just figure out what this is. And everyone's like, you got to go to the special. The special's like, you know, tonight you got to go. Okay, fine. So I go to the special and I play the Ruby Phoenix tournament special for season three of Pathfinder Society. And I was hooked. That was it Mm -hmm. i played like two more games on sunday and i was like when can we play some more this is super cool and then i immediately just started to get like full on into the pathfinder society locally which had i don't know a game a week two a month something like that so how'd you get into it
1: so i am online way too much i'm terminally online as people say um but i in my random spouts of, of looking at stuff on the internet i found an image which featured the cover of second book of Rise of the Rune Lords, um, the Skinsaw Murders. It has the Ooh, cover yeah. with Big old the, ogres. The, no, that that's the third one. This one has oh, okay. the, the cover with all the ghouls coming out of a well oh. with a body wrapped in like sheet and like a haunted house in the back. And yeah, it just yeah, okay. said below that it, it said Skinsaw Manor, the scariest night you'll ever have in D&D. Which intrigued me. It's like, I don't know what this is. Let's look it up. You know, I look up saw Summer and eventually find Rise of the Rune Lords, this thing called Pathfinder. Okay. And I tracked <sighs> down the first book of it because I realized Skin Summer is part two of an adventure. Um, and start reading Burnt Offerings and just like, oh, this is cool. This is a cool story. This is a cool setting. I like what's going on with the story and I like this adventure. <laughs> I had been running 4E for a, a little while at that point. Um, and done a lot of DD 3.5 before then it just was all homebrew stuff so mm-hmm. the very few encounters i had with published adventures I'm just like oh this is fine but this one like hooked me and i got really into it and got to the point where like i'm gonna try to run this in 4e because that's what we're playing and just liked pathfinder enough but uh, some other friend eventually like our 4e thing kind of just fell apart i think because people were moving and, and whatnot mm-hmm. so i'm just living with some friends. And it's like, oh, you guys, we miss DD. You know, and one of them mentions, <laughs> oh, I hear this Pathfinder thing that is mm-hmm. kind of like DD 3.5. We used to play that. It's like let's try it out. I'm like, yeah, sure. I like Pathfinder based on what I saw. Right. And I think let's uh buy the rule book. We buy the rule book, right? Just one among like the five people that live in the same place. Uh, which I think is still here, but that the cover has <laughs> fallen off, it's just <laughs> run ragged. Um and it's like all right well we know they have pre-written adventures which is the the latest one and we did some very poor research it's like oh i think this one is legacy of fire (laughs) let's buy that uh (laughs) and i realized after i bought it because i was planning to run it oh this is like for 3.5 but not for the Pathfinder rules kingmaker's coming out right now oops oh well (laughs) oh well but like i'm reading this and i'm enjoying it just as much uh Mm -hmm. there's a whole like theme about ceremony versus Rovagog and all this stuff I'm like ah oh, there's rules and we run that first adventure and have a great time um and it's just kind of didn't look back i'm like oh well i have this and i got to buy the six adventures for that and i might as well go pick up those last adventures and i, I got to pick up kingmaker right because that's the ones that's coming out right now so i'm just going to subscribe now and you know i'd start with book three and i'll get the other right. three now and oh well there's player companion stuff and Paint setting books, like I gotta have them all, and gotta have everything. Yeah, gotta have the entire first edition collection, right? Oh, that is <laughs> that
0: is really impressive.
1: Um, so it took me a while to catch up with those, but I, I fell in hard after that. You know, skin saw murders and finding rises moon lords, and then playing through that first adventure of Legacy of Fr- we just loved it. And then a pg came out and oh, there was a lot of cool stuff and then it's like oh cool well i hear there's like a magic book and a combat book ultimate magic in combat i guess mm-hmm, we'll check mm-hmm. it out maybe we're not too and then no we just didn't stop and then <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. here i am now
0: cool. i know yeah it's like there's just one thing after another um i remember i came back from that convention and was so sold i'm like pathfinder is super cool like i've been having fun with fourth edition It's Mm -hmm. really neat. But we were also getting high enough level that everything was getting very complicated and everyone's turn was taking like 20 minutes for that one person's turn. uh, As people decided what to do and their interruptions and I, and I just had so much fun. I was like, Nope, this is it. This is the game I'm playing. And I remember talking to my wife about it. And I was like, so the, the, the books, like the hardcover books are definitely more expensive than the PDFs, but they have PDFs, which is something that D and D didn't have. Mm -hmm. So I was like, what if I bought like a good tablet that could run all this stuff and then PDFs and then I just have all the books on my tablet and we worked out the math and that was still less expensive, even with the fancy yeah. tablet. So we went that way. And I am not sorry. I used the, I, I ran everything on that tablet for years uh, because it was just, I don't know, it just worked really well. And I used it like a big PDF reader. I, I almost never use any of the other tablets functions. I just yeah. use good reader and that was it.
1: I, I still do that, and right? I PDFs were just so much easier. I used to transport literally my entire like rulebook library to go run games. So it's like, oh, core <laughs> rulebook, bestiary one, bestiary two, bestiary three, uh, APG. You know, it was like eight books, but it just kept yep. getting bigger and bigger. And just like, I'm just running from my tablet, from my or from my laptop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. My having the entire is... <laughs> library in PDF now through through work is also very convenient.
0: Yeah, that's that's a big part of it. I, I did not plan for that. Um, I was a venture captain for three years, I think. Um, and uh, venture captains, as advertised on the Paizo.com website, uh, do get access to all of the PDFs. For a while, everyone's like, that's NDA information. I'm like, it's literally on the website. Um, but anyway, so uh yeah, so I got access to all those PDFs because like you have to audit people's characters and stuff, right? Yeah, you have someone that comes in doing something weird stuff, you have to be like, we're going to take a look at that. I'm going to audit your character and make sure all this makes sense. So you have to have access to the materials. So it makes sense. But yeah, I did that for like three years and it was super cool. And I had all these PDFs and then I'm just like, well now, now I just do PDFs. Number 18 and Chad is saying that like with second edition and Starfinder, they're physical and digital. And I kind of did that. Um, Special editions. I will buy physical copies of special editions and then everything else is PDFs because the special editions are just like, they're so pretty. They look like, nice on the shelf. They're just super cool, and like I would like to have had all the books. But we have uh the bad habit of moving every few years. And let me tell you, <laughs> like just having another like stack or two of literally just gaming books gets gets real old. So it's a little bit more uh, I don't know nimble to not have all that space taken up by.
1: Shelf of I've books. been moving with my Pathfinder books since 2010, so I um, know how much. <laughs> that would alleviate things if i wasn't <laughs> with all of those
0: mm-hmm. yeah and every time it's it's like it's like what 20 30 bo- 30 boxes of of books yeah at least
1: yeah, mm-hmm. so. and yeah. all heavy it'd be yeah. nice if we could just like gi- buy a giant tote throw them all in and call it good
0: well, but then it a, gets so heavy <laughs> we need a bag of holding type 4 for real life and you just put all the books in there mm-hmm. and you take them all out that's what we really need um all right cool oh yeah Justin was saying when you audit a player and they find out they're using a D20 SRD name for their archetype and you're like, "Yeah, you don't you don't own this." Yep. Like cuz the name will be like, "It's the Seren Ray Slayer." And they're like, and they're like, "The Sun Slayer? What's a Sun Slayer?" Like, "Oh, mm-hmm. oh, it's that archetype." Um, I do have another question for you. So, we've been talking a lot about Pathfinder, but that is not sure. the only game that is out there. Uh, so what besides finder games what other tabletop rpgs have been your favorites like across time what are your favorites
1: well i turned to show off my 1e collection and i'll, I'll turn the sure. other way to show off my all my other rpgs collection <laughs> <laughs> um i've had a really good time so obviously 3.5 edition fourth sure. edition fifth edition D. right i haven't looked back earlier than third edition DD. i just that's just that was that my was first. before my time
0: yeah that was my first i have uh, i
1: have some of the books but i just like haven't run it or really learned it but yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I started uh,
0: playing uh tabletop rpgs again basically when third edition came out because i was in a creative mm-hmm. writing class and this guy sitting next to me is like you're writing nerd crap you must be a gamer and i was like no and he's like oh well you're gonna game with us then he just decided um, and they had just all purchased all of the new 3.0 books that came out, like that whole box set of them. And then we're playing that. And so I bought the box set and all of a sudden I had friends. It was weird. Um, so then I started playing that with them.
1: So I've played a fair amount of D&D. Yeah. Uh, Three fifths of editions. I guess. <laughs> um, uh, one game I really enjoyed over the years was new world of darkness, which is now called chronicles of darkness because they had, like, a 2E. So, like, not only are there two different lines, now one of those has a second edition. But that's a game I've enjoyed quite a bit. Um, liked. I've played so many games. So when we finish an adventure path, before mm-hmm. starting our next adventure path, we will take a couple months off where we try other stuff. Because, you know, okay, there, there's you never know if there's, like, a game that we've been missing out on and want to keep playing for a while. So yeah. I've had a chance to play Chronicles of Darkness, World of Darkness stuff, Call of Cthulhu, um, Shadowrun, a bunch of different stuff. But in particular, I've really enjoyed, as of late, the Star Wars RPG by Fantasy Flight.
0: Mm, Okay, I heard that's really good.
1: It's just... Oh, man. Let me tell you for just a moment. It has proprietary dice. And these dice have different symbols and there are two different tracks where you can keep track of things. One that is success failure and what is like advantage, disadvantage or threat technically is what it's called, which are just like minor things. So like um, there's a possibility that you can succeed at something but have enough threat that things can still kind of go bad. For example, Mm -hmm. if you're picking a lock you can roll enough successes to succeed but have enough threat that your lock picks break, right? And now you, you can't use them. You open the door but now you don't have your lock picks. Or inversely, you can roll poorly and not unlock it, but learn enough information to realize, oh, this is a more of an electronic lock. It might be better to do a computer's check than thieve. Right,
0: slice it, matter. yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so that's great. <clears throat> that's already cool. But then when it comes to combat, because there's all these like different um, axes, I guess, for success, there's always something to do in combat, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. if you miss. d d and Pathfinder and a lot of other games definitely run into a thing where you will roll. And if you roll like a two and miss, that's kind of it for your turn. And you have to wait to yeah. try again. Um, even with three actions, you know, that's, that can happen. Um, but this has the benefit of, of usually like 95% of the time, giving you a chance to do something. You can miss a shot with your blaster, but get enough okay. advantage where your buddy will now get a bonus to their check. Cause you're like, ah, oh, I've given you covering fire or, um you know you you decide that actually that person that you're shooting is going to have a harder time to hit someone else you know there you can always do mm-hmm. something and I think okay, in my cool. my running I I've run into just like a handful of roles that just are a flat neutral nothing happens mm-hmm. um so it, it's been really cool and then I you know just happen to like Star Wars a lot so that works out really well um yeah that's really neat. That's, that's some of the games that could go on <laughs> for a while. You should. I... All
0: right, I'm going to mention a couple and then you're uh-huh. going to tell me about some more because this is fun. Okay. This is fun. <laughs> so I told you about that gaming group in college that was like, mm-hmm. we're going to play D&D 3.0. 3. But then like one thing that that group would do is they would get bored with the system, right? So we would play a few D&D games and then we'd be like, well, let's let's do something else. And so we yeah. would move on. And the other games we played, um, there was a system called a Silhouette. Uh, It's a Canadian system by DreamPod9. It was created for the heavy gear role-playing game, and it is one of these D6-based systems. And what's cool is it's like the more skilled you are, the more D6 you roll and you take the highest. And if you have multiple sixes, you just get a plus one for each one. So if you roll two sixes, then that's actually a seven. You roll three, that's actually an eight. Uh, And then you have a stat that averages zero and you add that to it. It's real simple. Um, Anyway, so we would play this and we had so much fun. We adopted the system. Uh, ad- adopted? Adapted. There we go. That's the word. We adapted the system to, uh, like, we played Heavy Gear, which was cool. But we mm-hmm. also played um, like a weird Magic and Mars kind of game. Um, we played this game that was kind of based on it called Kids and Carnage. We, uh, where you're like little kids running around from like scary shadow monsters and stuff. We played all these other random games. But like Silhouette is still bar none my favorite role-playing system ever and no one's heard of it no one plays it because it was really only for this one like silly game in Canada that didn't really have a lot of like penetration in the U.S. uh but I still have the I have the hardcover book because I like mm-hmm. it so much I have the hardcover book over there and the pdf and it's just like oh, it's such... what else what else what other systems are out there that you like what, really enjoy
1: there okay um there have been a <laughs> lot of indie rpgs that I've had fun playing that are just like usually good for one shots you know they're not intended yeah. to be longer stuff so. Dread is great for that. Um, mm-hmm. That's the one where you used the Jenga tower for that. I, I ran into a contest years back that was like, oh, right. A two page or I guess one page RPG, you know, just front back. Everything has to fit on one page. And there's been some good ones there, but one of the ones that didn't win the contest, but was like a, a like a runner up or even like an honorable mention was <laughs> one called police cops. Okay. Uh, so if you look up the police cops, RPGs, it's just intended to replicate the, look and feel like a 70s cop show oh, okay. um, uh, but it's very goofy
0: <laughs> and right, it's a,
1: right. a really fun time i i ran that game once waiting in line <laughs> for the um uh the banquet at paizo Con before i used to be an employee so i just ran it for people sitting in line because fun um there's uh, another one that i really like called murderous ghosts which <laughs> is a two-player rpg so one gm and then the one player and yeah. it's just them kind of the player exploring at freaky place you know like a, a haunted crypt or you know an abandoned warehouse or whatever but the general goal of the game and i think like you get like the most xp or, or you you win the game at most um as as, as well as you can in rpg is if you freak each other out with what's going on in the game, <laughs> which is really fun. I, I just, yeah, okay. the concept of, of the, the goal is scare to... scare
0: another player.
1: It's to creep keep creep yourself out with, with the game that you're running or creep, creep the player out. <laughs> yeah, it's just fun. Um, one game I I've didn't know about until I moved out here and started playing because of Ron Lundin, uh was a game called Torg, uh, the okay. other role-playing game. Uh, specifically Torg Eternity is like the newer version that just came out a few years back and that is a very cinematic kind of almost over the top RPG uh, it uses dice rolls and stuff right but um, yeah. Yeah. it also has effectively hero points but like okay pumped up to the max um, yeah. you um, you use a d20 but like if you roll a 20 it's an exploding 20 and then you can keep adding stuff mm-hmm. um and then you can spend these points to add more to your role and stuff and you, you need to get big numbers or you can use it to change the narrative like you can suddenly be like oh i'm gonna spend a couple of these points and now there's like a speedboat here we can use to get away and mm-hmm. <laughs> the world is broken up into lots of themes so one of them is like the land of the lost place of dinosaurs and kind of primitive mm-hmm. technology one is the pulp heroes like 1930s pulp heroes land one is cyberpunk land one is um just generic human land (laughs) generic people like there's there's (laughs) all these different
0: boring people you have found the midwest
1: (laughs) yeah there's there's all these different themes and it's just really fun um it's hard to explain that game without playing it yourself but it's Mm -hmm really been one of my favorite ipgs that i played and i understand why it's ron's favorite RPG. it's just a lot of okay. fun and lots of yeah. ways to like min max and and character build and all that stuff but it's not so dependent on your build that you know you break the game based on like oh, i, I put all my points into this uh, you just can have a lot of fun with that and yeah it's been a good time um huh. i don't know what other games have i played numenera and yeah, numenera. um <laughs> <laughs> Mutants and Masterminds. For those
0: listening, Louis has like three bookshelves full of books behind him, and he's just looking through what's on his shelf. And there is yeah. so much beautiful stuff there.
1: Yeah, it's great. There's, there's uh, uh, a Call lot to learn. I, I see from...
0: Call of Cthulhu. That one looks like the. Is that a Warhammer role playing game?
1: Um, where is the Warhammer?
0: Uh, yellow texts and black binding.
1: Oh, no, that's yeah. just another one of the Star Wars.
0: Oh, it's another one of Star Wars. Okay, yeah, Another they, Warhammer one. break up into that three life.
1: different themes. There's like the, oh, I see. Okay. the the scoundrels and then the rebellion and then the force. So,
0: oh, very cool. Okay, that makes uh, sense.
1: A lot, of, lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. Um, if you're, yeah. I mean, I, I keep hearing that if you want to be a good writer, you got to read lots of books. So if you want to be a mm-hmm. good game designer, play lots of games. Well,
0: that brings me to another question, though. Um, so what outside games and media influence your approach to writing for tabletop role-playing games? like outside of outside of tabletop right what other mm-hmm. what other video games movies like what else influence the way that you write or the way that you approach tabletop so, storytelling
1: i would say like my biggest influence for a lot of things has been 2000s legend of zelda majora's mask really yes um the i have a big love for um time travel okay um which i Pretty sure originated there. Um, and that game is dark. Mm-hmm. Like there's just a lot of dark themes. Uh, people die and, you know, it's not a happy world. It's mm-hmm. the first Zelda game I actually interfaced with in any capacity. It was, I don't know if you remember when when big box stores used to have the little demos where you could play the latest yeah. game. You could go and play an N64. That's just in the case there. So they mm-hmm. had Majora's Mask and I sat there and I started a new game and played through and was just enamored by the end of it. And it's only, you know, the first 15 minutes of the game. But um, right. I played that and then I played Ocarina of Time. I'm just like, cool, I'll play this until I can, because <laughs> I can borrow it from a friend until I can get my own copy of Majora's Mask. Oh my gosh, uh, that um, makes sense. But it also has an interconnected world. It's a huge sandbox, ultimately. Um, if you play that game, you're stuck in a time loop. You, you replay oh. the same three days every time over and over and over, as opposed to other Zelda games. Where it's just a big adventure here. You're, you're doing the same thing, Groundhog Day, but three days rather than just a single day. And that means okay. a lot of the major NPCs have schedules that you have to learn and adhere to to make some of the side quests possible to complete. So, okay. you know, there uh. is um, uh, a lady who is delivering... Uh, the shipment of bombs bomb bags to the town and you can't buy these bomb bags and have bombs for yourself until these arrive in town she mm-hmm. comes in late at night on the first night and she gets robbed and oh, if no. you don't stop that robbery from happening you can't buy a bomb bag and you can't get bombs and you'd have to yeah. go back in time and, and try again so you can learn that 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 happens and go back in time and stop it from from stop the robbery from from happening that night and then you can buy mm-hmm. bombs now you can use bombs to go explore the rest of the world and go do other stuff but like everyone is interconnected in some way there are some npcs that rely on you having completed stuff with other npcs and oh, yeah. it's just a living world i mean obviously like going back to it nowadays you compare it to something like that the brand new open world games it's just mm-hmm. very small but it still okay. feels so much more interconnected than it's <laughs> so like many it's like games. a rich
0: it's like a rich world rather than yes. a big world
1: exactly it's there's, there's lots of death rather than just expansive worlds um, and I kind of have been just always picking stuff from that here and there um, there are um, just the some of the ways quests work you know side mm-hmm. quests and stuff work is really unique and trying to translate that over to RPGs and writing is it's it's fun literally the first thing I ever wrote for Pathfinder and got paid for uh, mm-hmm. was in our, was an adventure where you're stuck in a time loop and have to fix that and, and learn the schedule and learn the enemies that keep showing oh up. so
0: yeah it sounds just like the fingerprints a... yeah fingerprints all over that then
1: <laughs> yeah um that doing. and then just like you know anything else i i what, watch or
0: what game what, what adventure was that
1: so um, it, it. it was a third party adventure that i wrote for adventure week uh adventure called week. the timeless fort um and yeah. it was technically part of a contest um they're just like, oh, it's just an adventure. And if we like it, you get to be right for this contest. Um, Jacob W. Jacob Michaels actually wrote for that as well. Um, right, cool. And and then um, we there were five adventures and then the best selling one and with the best reviews got to go write their own personal adventure path. I did not get it. Um, oh. <laughs> but it's what I used to then go bug west and be like, "Hey, I've written a thing. Want you yeah, give me no, a chance to write for Paisa?" <laughs>
0: that's actually great. Uh Dustin Knight found it, uh, bought it and linked it in chat for you, so.
1: Thank you. <laughs> it's going to be weird um, to like sit here and then suddenly there's a bump of like two or three sales out of nowhere.
0: <laughs> I mean, why not? Uh well that's cool. That sounds really neat. I might actually go pick it up just so I can read it. Um, for me, stuff outside of of Tabletop is two big things. One mm-hmm. is Final Fantasy VI. Sure. That game is my favorite of all time, bar none. It is so mm-hmm. hard. I, I can't imagine anything unseating it. It Takes Two was a lot of fun. I enjoyed playing it. And if you like uh, couch co-op games, please go buy It Takes Two. It's adorable. But Final Fantasy VI is like this big immersive story about saving the world and then failing and then trying again and Mm -hmm. like big things are happening, but that's not the cool part of the game. Like that's the backdrop. The cool part for me was the characters. Yeah. To me, it's a character driven narrative, right? The reason that they save the world is because they care so much and they have all these, like they want to do stuff and, and they have these goals and like all of the different, um, Relationships between all the different characters, like that's that's what makes the game fun. If it was just oh go save the world, like, eh. but the, all these great writing and great relationships between the characters is what really makes that game just sing and just be such a, a fantastic book, a uh, book game. Oh, my brain is getting tired. Um, but it has influenced everything else that I've done. Everything else is character driven. Um, there's a couple assignments I've had where that's really challenging to do. I'm thinking like hands of the devil abomination vaults. They're like, mm-hmm. you have the sandbox floor. And I'm like, eh, okay. So it's a little harder to do real character driven stuff, but it's, it's always been very important to me. And the other thing um, is I actually have a film degree.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I have a, uh, a bachelor of fine arts in film and television production from Chapman university uh, in California. And I know how to make movies. I've never used it to make movies <laughs> I trained as a, a writer and a director. I understand like the eight sequence structure of movies really well and like how to do the rising and falling action and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's what I trained to do. And for a while I wasn't using it. And then when I got to start writing um, adventures and now now narrative with Vellum and Lace, I tap into all that all the time. Yeah. Um, and a lot of my stuff you'll probably notice, even like the fingerprints are on um, old, old scenarios I've written. There's a lot of like cinematic stuff. Um, one of the things I'll call myself out on writing Vellum and Lace all the time, I get stuff back from our editor uh, and stuff back from Helen, who's writing it going, this breaks point of view. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, you're, you're writing Jollica's point of view. And, but like Jollica leaves the scene and we linger on the other character in the scene for a minute. And then you move on to the next scene. Like you can't do that. That breaks it. And I'm like, I don't know. This is my point of view writing style, which is like, it's mostly following one person, but Uh, I also am like, the way I'm writing is as if I'm describing what the movie looks like to you. And so in Mm -hmm. my mind, you finish the scene with your main character walking off and the other character she's talking to still has a reaction. And we're going to see what that reaction is before we cut the scene and, and go on. So... And, and like, a- as I'm writing narratives or adventures or whatever it is, I'm always like, even adventures that you're just setting up the action for the player characters, I'm imagining, how can I set this best up to make it just really cinematic and like a, like a really exciting movie. Um, and I think about, um, I'm forgetting the name of the creature. I wrote it sort of the G, but in, in Hands of the Devil, there's like a locked room uh, and you go in there and there's this little monster that's like a ball of like rubbery fungus with a big old mouth and he bounces around and he jumps around and he likes to knock into you and there are these open pits and it's just like i'm just it's not it's easy to catch yourself right the, the the catch yourself to not fall down the pit is easy but i want that cinematic moment where oh no that thing jumped over to you and knocked you into a pit and you're like ah, oh, barely hanging on by dear life and able to pull yourself back up so you don't fall in, down below this this giant pit because trust me you do not want to um, but I want to do that because, like, that's that's cinematic. So I'm always, I'm always trying to think about, like, how can I just make this, like, a, every scene, like, a memorable scene and, like, really, really live there? And that's how I GM, too, is always, like, describing stuff. Um, if you go listen to, like, the first episode like of Stellar, mm-hmm. I start with, like, our camera sees, right? Like, we're on a quiet country road and we hear this thing in the distance and all that. I'm always thinking about what the shot looks like and how it feels as the audience member. And that's definitely have its fingerprints all over my work.
1: I think it's interesting um, how obviously different my adventure writing, <laughs> uh, I guess, principle, I don't know what the word is, the method is like what I value in it adventures compared to what you just described, right? Um, <laughs> I, I love sandboxes. And once you know it, hey, three days, time loop, perfect sandbox. Um, i know
0: seriously actually sounds really cool though
1: (laughs) and um i think i also had a fair amount of influence from the metal gear solid series because hideo kojima's games have a lot of weird quirks and like goofy things you can do like just hidden among among them so like Mm -hmm. i like to write sandboxes and then poke holes and like oh what if a player tries to do this what if a player tries to do that um and have like most things accounted for and then once that's all taken care of then add like hey technically if you get this thing from the locker here uh and then take it to the guy over here he'll be like oh it's that thing i was looking for and it just let you through and it happens to work out that way and i expect 99 of the players will just be like oh we'll just roll a diplomacy check and convince them to let us through or whatever yeah sure but, but if, if you happen to have explored and, and do that mm. it works out um there's a just a lot of little things i like to do like that like accounting for this and that and anytime i write a a pfs scenario or whatever i try to like do you know set up and pay off with a lot of stuff um where like hey you help this person in the first chapter and then in chapter three it's like oh if you help that person in that first chapter they actually swing back into town and like oh yeah i bought a bunch of alchemist fire because i wanted to reward you and i I made a bunch of alchemist fire i'm an alchemist here you go and then it works out that yeah you're going to go fight some trolls and that will that kind of helps you out later because that's cool i like that um so like making it feel like things don't just stop existing the moment you move from one room to the other right Mm -hmm. Um, and then comes back and even if it's a tiny little thing like a oh hey i'm back in town thanks here have a meal uh on me uh is just the, the kind of connections i like to look for and make make things feel like more alive not that like cinematic situations can't feel you know immersive and alive but mm-hmm. i I have a lot of fun with seeing that happen in games and i want to replicate that in the tabletop experience
0: uh slow game saver says that feels very majora's mask
1: wouldn't you know it
0: <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't you know it <laughs> see now that i know about that uh that about you i'm definitely going to be looking for that in things that you write and be like oh yeah oh. i see the fingerprints
1: you should go. I was gonna say, hey, go read my Ruby Phoenix tournament. That's like the biggest sandbox adventure I've ever done. It's just got a lot of like. I um, want to play it. There's like a whole chain of side quests. It's like, oh, there's these eight shrines you can visit. I won't say anything more, but like if you complete the stuff with all eight shrines, you get an extra <laughs> reward because he did a completionist thing in in the big sandbox <laughs> world.
0: <laughs> oh, slow so game saver says so she's about to start it on Wednesday. I. I want to play it so bad. I am kind of secretly hoping that someone on the no direction network is like, we need yet another actual play.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and then we'll let me play it. And we could call it uh no combat um, <laughs> or no Kung Fu. If you want sort of a matrix mm. tie in there, because then it'd be like, I know Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I want to play it so badly and I want to read it because everyone says so many good things about it and how cool it is. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why I haven't read it, because I want to play it. It sounds awesome.
1: Dustin is saying that he and Alex have characters set aside just in case for it.
0: I mean, I have a character. I have like seven characters set aside. I have a bunch of character ideas. You
1: just need one more player and a GM. No biggie. (laughs) All
0: right. Well, Dustin, you go find a GM and another player will manifest, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. I'm sure if you put out on the internet, oh, we need one more player to come play this (laughs) AP. It'll be super easy. Hmm. All right. Cool.
0: Um. Any other? Uh, any other th- questions from me? Any other things you want to?
1: Um. I feel like we could do a whole second episode of this with how much we've done.
0: <laughs> I know there's so many things that I like. I have seven answers to this question, and I'll give you one of them. Like I haven't like,
1: even found some way to appropriately segue to brag about how I've completed nine APs in my history.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> okay wow that is a lot you i thought i played a lot but that's i i
1: learned after coming to paizo that i am kind of an outlier statistical outlier with having completed as many as i have
0: funny uh dustin knight says hey louise want to gm for us
1: i would gm <laughs> for you but i don't have the time unfortunately i, I feel have, that one yeah
0: Oh, we did have one more question. Uh, Number 18 asks, there's been a lot of crowdfunded RPGs in the recent years. Are there any you think are particularly good or at least anticipating the release?
1: I'm looking forward to, um, I think I actually can download it, but you know, I always forget to go get the links after a Kickstarter um, is right. um, the airbender uh, avatar.
0: That was Master literally airbender my RPG. answer. Yes.
1: Um.
0: They keep telling Uh, me that there's PDFs, and I'm like, I want my I did the big box with all the stuff, (laughs) and I want the big box. I'm, like, waiting for the big box experience.
1: That, and I was excited. I just haven't taken the time to sit down and read it for for Coyote and Crow. Uh, That was the other one that That I was looking forward to. Um, And then, I don't know, I I think I kickstart things, and then two years later they show up, and I'm like, oh, yeah, here we go. This thing I want to read about, I guess. (laughs) Like, I just i'm very bad at like catching up on them uh i just cracked open my pdf cracked open my pdf of a battle zoo even though that's Mm. been available for two months just because i'm like yeah oh yeah i can blue mage you can blue mage i want to get that let me read that
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's only actual spells with blue mage it's not like oh they have this ability and i'll do it as a spell but it's also written in such a way, I think you could totally get your GM to be like, hey, look, so this creature does the supernatural thing where they make a duplicate of themselves and, you know, or yeah. whatever. Can, can I get that as a spell and be like, well, it's a level three that's, creature. So we'll call that it that. would be a... so much
1: work well, to figure out. I know. But it, so I've wanted to do a monster part system for years. because yeah. I thought it'd be cool to have a campaign setting or adventure that's like you get thrown onto an island and you have to, the monster hunter thing and mm. get your own bones and, and fangs and stuff and build your own armor. But then I realized figuring out how many bones and teeth and scales you can get from a dragon yeah. would be a nightmare. And then having mm. to do that for every entry in the bestiary, yeah. It's like, well, I'm glad someone else did it. <laughs>
0: Well the nice part is like the nice part and the not so nice part but uh, it's okay is the just point to fight everything right so mm-hmm. like oh a third level creature is worth x number of points a fourth level creature is worth x many of points and then you can build things like you have to keep track of like what keywords that the and, and it's just generic it's like it's abelis parts you know it's a uh, it's salamander parts and as a salamander, you're like, well, it has a fire trait, so you can do fire stuff with it. If that's a fire yeah. resistance rune or a fire rune for your sword or fire bombs, like you can make all that stuff because it's fire, whatever. And you don't have to worry about specific things. Now it is fun to do that and be like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to add a bunch of the scales of the salamander on like in, integrated into my scale mail armor, like just the shiniest, best, hardest ones. Um, and then now it's a fire resist. It functions like a fire resist rune or whatever. So you can do stuff like that um, and it, you don't have to worry about the number of shiny scales you get from a salamander. You just know uh, you get salamander parts. It's fine because we we used it a little bit on a, a roll for combat adventure mm-hmm. that's not released yet. Um, and we had to put it on hold for you know, real life reasons. Um, but uh, we we played with it a bit there. And it's it's a little more bookkeeping, actually, because yeah, uh, right. now you're also keeping so. track in party loot like piles of future parts mm-hmm. but it is way easier to make sure that you keep up with the wealth by level because you're not dependent on oh we happened to loot that person's you know fine china when we were in you know running from the mansion oh well you lost all that loot you're like why would we steal the china we were running for our lives from a bunch of ghosts and it's like well you could have taken the china so sometimes like you miss out on loot and you end up behind the curve and the gm has yeah. to adapt things. This way, it's like, oh, we're always defeating stuff, and usually a lot of, especially big fights, we're gonna take some downtime and heal up. So the fighter who doesn't have any uh, downtime skills can go just like skin all the creatures and gather our parts back up. It's pretty
1: cool. Do you have any other RPGs you were looking forward to? Indie RPGs?
0: Mostly just the Avatar one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I yeah. am, I am enamored by that one. On a lot of them that I want to support. I might do like the lower levels of like sure I support it um just to just to help out or whatever but yeah. this is one that I just went full on in I was like nope 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 I'm buying the big box I'm buying all the stuff so I am looking forward to getting that box with all the good stuff in it and then really just reading through it um I've played in those uh was it like Driven by the Apocalypse games or whatever yeah um and they're pretty fun it's it's kind of cool I, I I'm usually not a big fan of the Fully narrative ones where you're just sort of like I describe what happens and that's what it is. Uh, but I got a chance to play as um, as Envy on an actual play podcast that used a system that was very similar, and that was really cool. So I was I'm kind of sold. Pretty neat. Uh, I think that's most most of the stuff. Uh, do you want to move on to news?
1: Sure, let's do it.
0: Pathfinder news. Pathfinder news. Path. Pathfinder News! Pathfinder News! So a couple of big things in the news. Uh, Dustin Knight actually just showed me this, and I am super excited. There is a a tabletop RPG for Trans Rights in Texas bundle right now with almost 500 books, a bunch of indie RPGs, and it's like $5 plus. Uh, He linked to it earlier. I'm going to link it in there right now. Um, There's some not so great stuff happening in Texas with trans rights. It's a big attack. And so this is earning money so that they can pay legal bills and things like that and help people flee Texas and just all that stuff. So go check it out. Um, I am definitely going to be uh, uh, purchasing and, and donating to them after this is over to support that cause. So that is
1: a big one. There's so many on here. I keep scrolling and it doesn't end
0: it doesn't end. It's one of those things where you you donate what you can. They send you a ton of PDFs and you sort through it later.
1: <laughs> there's one called Three Cobalts in a Trench Coat, which is already getting my attention.
0: Right. Yeah. Um there's one called Let Me Take a Selfie? Five live action games. I'm like, what? Is a game based on selfies? Um you
1: can do it. I, I believe in there's so many possibilities with games, which is great to see people exploring them. Yeah. The less- but yeah go go get this uh and offer your support as best you can
0: Mm -hmm. this one's called uh totally real human adults and you play a miserable pile of animals stack of creatures in a trench coat (laughs) (laughs) okay um but yeah that that could be really cool uh Destin says that Thirsty Sword Lesbians and a couple expansions is on there. That's awesome. That is a system I have been wanting to play, and I need to bother uh, Michelle on the network here to play it with me, to run me a game. Because I I wanted to play it, but I haven't. Uh, In other news, PaizoCon 2022.
1: Yeah.
0: Just talking about it. I know. We were talking about it earlier, there is a call for volunteers. Uh and they're only limiting it to 500 people. So that that number is going to go real quick.
1: I think 500 um, people for the con total. So.
0: I mean, that's what I'm saying for the yeah, whole con. So, so,
1: yeah. so volunteer slots are even more precious than ever before.
0: Yeah, so But all the, the more go, important <laughs> Um are you The hybrid doing... model
1: for for this year?
0: <laughs> hybrid model?
1: Yeah, are you so... doing
0: anything that you can talk about yet?
1: I don't even know about like, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the schedule is still kind of getting sorted yeah. out. Yeah, um, I know a lot of people enjoyed the uh, online connectivity, kind of you know, it's mm-hmm. panels and stuff. And that's the thing that's been going on, especially thanks to the help of no direction over the past couple of years. Um, <clears throat> but um, the plan is to continue that so you can watch yeah. the majority of the panels and important, you know, presentations and stuff. On, uh, online, and if you happen to be there, you might get a chance to play in a game in person. If I do get a chance to run a game in person, I've had one sitting half ready to go for two years. Um, oh, Mark ran a game called Fighter Squad, which is meant to recreate the feel of a side-scrolling beat-em-up, like Double Dragon or, or things like that, uh, streets, of, streets of Rage and the like. Um, and that game sounded really goofy because they'd be in a map and be in a fight. And after every, it's literally just a different flip mat every, every stage, uh, after every fight, people would level up and earn a new feat. And then he would randomly shuffle oh, okay. cards of available martial feats. So like monk feats, barbarian feats, fighter feats, and then hand it to someone and they might get a oh, level that's... 18 feet. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I thought that sounded great. That sounds fun. I can't just run fighter squad. Cause that was Mark's thing. No. Now that uh, mm-hmm. that, that opening is available, but I, I decided, I know, Oh, I could is. do the, the opposite. I could do wizard squad and ha- have spell cards. And after every fight randomly hand out, Oh, you have some new spells prepared. And sometimes you get, you know, I don't know, a, a ninth level primal spell instead of <laughs> just yeah. a wizard spell
0: oh oh that would be cool no do wizard squad i want to play that one
1: yeah so i I think that would be a fun thing and i have plenty of match that i've earned over there that i've collected over the years that i can have just random stuff and it would be a goofy time and you know uh i think i also wanted to add like a shop where you know every time you you defeat a monster it drops a coin and you Mm -mm. if you go and pick up the coin between maps you can buy a new staff or something (laughs)
0: Cool. Uh, Dustin Knight says my uh Mega Magambia. Bias, Magambia Squad. Yeah. Yeah. I never say that perfect. right the first time. My brain doesn't want to process. That sounds really cool. Um, I know I'm going. I want mm-hmm. to run something, but I also don't want to overcommit, and I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. Um, part of me wants to do something to help promote volume and Lace because I'm very proud of that product. Um, we have four full episodes plus a prologue out now. And like, I think we have a total of about 20 or so planned. So we just keep on writing them. Uh, Speaking of which I should probably get on that. (laughs) I have a chapter. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: But uh, yeah, so um, I'm just really proud of that. So I want to do something with that, but I'm not sure. Uh, And then I also, we have, I have Outlaws of Alkenstar coming out in April. And so doing something at PaizoCon with that makes sense. So I'm just not, not sure what I want to do there. I've, I've got a couple ideas rattling around my brain, and I'm, I'm thinking I might bounce them off of the developers, uh, like off of Ron for Outlaws, or, or Patrick, rather, for Outlaws, and Ron for Abomination Vaults, and see if they want to do anything with those. Very cool. Um, Anything else you want to say about Pyzocon?
1: Um, ah, I just think it'll be a fun time. I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing some people again and announcing things for the future of the lost <gasps> omens line
0: i want to know you should tell me just tell it just tell us now just, just
1: oh okay just um it'll be a book in the lost omens line that's at <sighs> least 128 pages
0: you tease, you
1: tease. <laughs> it may or may not feature rules and it may or may not feature setting <laughs> information it definitely will have an ogl though
0: well will it have art
1: yes Yes, it will. I've seen some of this art. It's very good, by the way.
0: Okay, good. I'm very excited. (laughs) Dustin Knight says to spoil the Section 15. It's a Paizo book. The Section 15 literally just lists itself, usually. It's like, um, this book. Um,
1: Well, we do make a reference to the system reference document, so.
0: Oh, well, well, there you go. (laughs) Uh, Some other stuff happening. Uh, Reaper Miniatures has a 2022 Ukrainian relief miniature, it's like a bird, tengu, maybe owl. I'm not sure. Bard. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, if you, I, I don't know exactly what their deal is. Um, Dustin Knight is the one who turned me onto this thing. Uh, I don't collect minis like I used to, so I'm like, oh, I don't know. Uh, but that seems like it's for a good cause. So, and they called it the 2022 Ukrainian Relief Miniature. So I don't know if that means they expect this to be going on into 2023, or they're just they're just making sure that they keep a naming convention that's flexible, either way, smart move.
1: The nightingale is apparently the Ukrainian national bird, according to Numbat, so that makes sense. Oh,
0: well, there you go. Thank you, Numbat 18. Um, some other stuff happening Owlcat uh has released for their Wrath of the Righteous uh, a new DLC called Inevitable Excess, uh, which is like a, an end game bonus missions. Um, you also get to go to access, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, they also released a patch with like 500 tweaks and fixes. So if you were playing it and being like, darn it, this bot is buggy. Maybe they fixed it. They fixed a bunch of stuff. Pretty cool. Uh, and last and certainly not least, um, poor Jason Tondra. Jason is leaving Paizo. I say poor, and I, it's really not him that's poor. It's us that's poor, because yeah. <laughs> we will be bereft of Jason. I am just sad. This whole thing makes me sad. I really like Jason.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I actually got to have a lunch with him last week. Pretty much the last oh. thing he did at Python was like have lunch and then go like clean up his desk. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, I mean, and it's, it was just it a great time chatting with him and um, got to pick his brain one last time before he goes about some stuff um, and just talk about the company and talk about his time and hopefully what he'll get to do in the future. I, I look forward to him getting to do that. I'm sure he's got yeah. a, a bit of a break between leaving Paizo and starting there, you know, to get, yeah, he's, he's starting
0: at wizards of the coast. So he's going to go yeah. write some DD and D stuff. Yeah, um, but, and he's um, even said on, on like Twitter, he doesn't, he has no idea what he's going to be working on specifically. So
1: yeah. So it'll be exciting, whatever he does, because he, he does a great mm-hmm. job with everything. And he's always just such a great listener and like learns from other people so well that I'm sure that he'll be able to pick it up and, and then just make it all the better once, once it, he gets his hands on it.
0: Mm-hmm. He's, he's one of those folks over there at Paizo that like, I am, I'm like good acquaintances with, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. quite say that we're friends because I haven't shared a meal with him yet. You know, (laughs) like I haven't, haven't had the opportunity to spend enough time with him. And it was one of those things where I was looking forward to like PaizoCon or something, or we could just sit on the couch and chat about things or, or whatnot. And and it's just like, ah, oh, that's like one of the reasons it's like such a bummer is because he's just, yeah. he's such a cool guy. He's so, he's so wise. He's so kind. He's so thoughtful. So it's, it's kind of sad to see him go, but also like, Hey, you, you know, he, he's got uh, another gig and another opportunity and it's totally yeah. understandable that he's going to want to do cool, exciting new things.
1: Absolutely. He'll still think... be in the area. I, yeah. I at least asked still have opportunities to try to see him uh, and play games with him and stuff. I'm jealous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, New York is pretty cool, but I'm still jealous.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think that's that's it for for some of the big newses. Newses. Mm-hmm. All right, um, let's do wrap ups and shout outs, and yeah. Wrap ups and shout outs. Wrap ups and shout outs. Wrap ups. Wrap ups and shout outs. All right. What do you what do you have to shadow? What do you have going on? What have you experienced that is just too cool to not say anything about?
1: Uh, the big thing I want to bring attention to this time around is a game by Jason Keeley. He wrote a, a random RPG. The the way he described it uh, originally is just like he needed to write something that wasn't writing for Paizo, right? He just needed okay. to write something for himself yeah. uh while yeah. he was working. I think he just kind of got a bug in him and wrote uh, a little rpg called um this complete breakfast which is the breakfast what? cereal mascot rpg oh my gosh uh, <laughs> and he's giving it away he's like you don't have to pay anything if you go to the link for for his, it's on his it's the io page um but it's a goofy game uh where you play mascots in a very kind of um roger rabbit esque world where Mascots just kind of exist alongside normal people, um, uh-huh. and he happens to be giving a uh, giving it away. And he says he's going to be donating a dollar to the Transgender Educational Education Network of Texas for every download that happens this month. Um,
0: I think and, we all posted. The
1: link. Yeah. So uh, it was. I got to play test it uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was just a goofy time. I played a, a mascot, which is actually just a guy. Uh, <laughs> Just repping yeah because some of these are like weird living cartoon characters but I, I played I played a guy that um, repped this kind of very healthy no frills not very exciting for kids cereal called uh, Dr. Breakfast <laughs> <laughs> uh, and his cereal oh, no. Dr. Breakfast MDs uh, which you know are M's and D's and oh, circles no. and other shapes <laughs> uh it's just a goofy time go check it out uh it's, it's an rpg where your stats include stats like snap and crackle and pop um <laughs> of course you collect box tops you collect lucky charms um it's great for a one shot it's great for a goofy time and i think jason would just love to have more people play this and definitely want to <clears throat> uh, be able to continue donating to uh this uh, good yeah. cause as a result uh
0: yeah i will definitely be picking that up after the show that That is adorable. Um, The only thing I really wanted to shout out really is just Vellum and Lace. I'm super proud of the work that Helen and I have done. Uh, It's a really fun story. Uh, It tells the story of two adopted sisters in Absalom uh, just trying to survive as they keep getting into trouble, Um, including a a misguided plan to break someone out of an Absalom prison, which uh, probably won't end well for anybody. Um, and uh and that's what's gonna happen in episode five, which if I get my button to gear, we'll be releasing uh sometime near the end of this month. Um and yeah, it's uh it's just just really cool. So we have four episodes out right now and I, I'm very proud of them all.
1: I, I did remember one other thing I wanted to shout out. Oh sure, yes, I, please. I never want to stop shouting it out, which is Pathfinder Infinite, of course. But specifically there was a blog on the Paizo blog uh mm-hmm. last week that uh showcase the kind of big hits the highlights from february um and you know there's just a lot of good stuff to check out there it's a list of like 15 or so different products that you can check out that are doing well on infinite of course you can mm-hmm. check out a lot of other stuff on infinite but if, if you're just like oh, i don't have the time to check this you know every other day to see if there's something new here's a nice big collection of things uh, to help you keep track of, of some cool stuff. And then maybe you can look through that list and find something to, to buy and, and check out, uh, including, you know, friends of the show, I'd say, uh, Queer mm-hmm. Finder. Yep. And uh, you know, some stuff from other people who are on the network. You know, Vanessa's got stuff. Uh, Dustin's got stuff. <laughs> I got stuff. Alex has stuff. Hey, <laughs> we have a lot of stuff on Infinite. Go check That's that something. out. But uh, also, um, you know, just... Lots of different things add to your game, please. The mm-hmm. the world is infinite, and, and and infinite Pathfinder Infinite will help you.
0: Uh, fun fact: I am writing crossword puzzles for Infinite.
1: There you go. Now, it can I, do anything fu- on Infinite.
0: I fully admit they're probably not up to the New York Times standards, but uh, they should be really fun, especially mm-hmm. if you like um, if you like Pathfinder and Galarian lore, uh, and they're all themed after like a different uh, part of the world or something like that. So. Uh, basically, it was something that they wanted and couldn't find anyone to do, and I found a way that is that works for me. It's not mm-hmm. too labor intensive, um, and so I've been I've been designing those, and uh, they're packed with over seventy different answers for each one, uh, and yeah, so that'll that'll be starting in issue two. So we didn't make it into issue one. Uh, it was something that was kind of talked about, and finally, with putting issue two together, I was like, I could just you know. I could just make one. They're like, oh my gosh, please do that. <laughs> uh, but issue one, I have a little narrative in there about uh, Arshay and a, and a thing. So yeah, uh, definitely Core Finder. Um, also Kitsune of Galarian, uh, with the network's own Alexandra Gunas and Dustin Knight. That has been getting a lot of praise. It looks pretty cool. Uh, let me go check that out. All right. Well, this is a wrap on episode 271 of the No Direction podcast. Uh, and... If you want to find the path,
1: Wait, hold on. Don't we want what? to tell what? people what, what we're what? doing right after this?
0: No, I don't. Oh yes, I do. I'm. S- <laughs> I am just like, I'm like making sure I do all the stuff. I have like yeah, a list, yeah. and I'm like yeah. after this, we say goodbye and we say the thing. Um, right after the show, thank you, thank you, thank you. Right after the show, we do the patrons' private sanctum, uh, patrons' private sanctuary. Excuse me, which is a a private show. For our uh, patrons uh, on our Discord, Uh, so if and and we talk about what the patrons tell us to talk about. So they ask us questions, or they'll be like, "Hey, tell us this," and then we will, because we are we are slaves to the patrons. Uh, So if you would like to engage with.